This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. This is John Babin, and you're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found on most of your popular platforms and anxietycanada.com. Today, my guest is Jeff Roberts. He deals with anxiety and is a mental health advocate. Hey, Jeff. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, the name of the podcast is Our Anxiety Stories. Uh, so my question to you is, what's your anxiety story? I would love to share. I'll just start things off that uh, I am a 32-year-old, fit, um, average person, good career, tattoos, girlfriend, living a pretty normal life, um, but I have a bit of a unique story. Hmm. Um, so I was born and raised in Kelowna, had a pretty normal life, good family, friends, um, shy, but basically had a pretty happy childhood. Um, this was all until a certain event that happened in grade 8 science class. Um, I didn't like getting in trouble. So I was in a bit of a rush to get to class. Um, and I had to pee really bad from being on break. Right. Um, so I was rushing to class, skipped the bathroom, went to class. Um, and it was a big exam day for the whole class. Um, of course, being young and naive, I thought I was invincible. Um, eventually halfway through the exam physics took over and my bladder was not able to hold. Um, I was able to kind of get up in the middle of the exam, walk out of class, kind of deal with the situation, sneak back in. Nobody noticed. They noticed, but it went under the radar. Mm -hmm. like anybody else would have called it the greatest save ever. Yeah. But to me, my malleable young mind, it broke me. And it mm -hmm. set me off on 15 years of severe anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's hard to explain what exactly happened that day, but from then on, my mind lost its perception of um, um, availability of bathrooms in my body. Um, it was weird. Like, it basically felt like I had to go to the washroom all of the time, even when I didn't. And I now had a severe anxiety um, when I lost access to facilities, um, which of course for a shy middle school kid becomes quite awkward. Um, yeah. It became extremely bad. Anything from assemblies in school to playing sports, to even simple things like um, public transit, anything where I was unable to walk out of the situation um, to find a facility. Um, so I still can't really explain it because it, it even got into my mind, like physically I felt the feeling to the point yeah. where, um, if I, the minute I, I got onto a bus, I would feel like I had to pee. The right. minute I got off, it would go away. Ah, too psychosomatic. Yes. It very much got into my brain to the point where. I, I still can't describe how it affected me, but to this day, if I am in a highly anxious state, I physically feel a sensation. It's not just the basic anxiety that you feel. I feel a physical feeling in my body. Um, so I lived with this uh, through grade eight, 
Um, basically, my entire childhood, I lived with this. Um, every sporting event, every time I basically did anything in school or anything in a public space, um, I dealt with this feeling, um, which basically meant that I was anxious every minute of every day outside my household. Um, when I got into my teens, I did find that like going out and having some drinks with friends kind of helped. Um, but really this, I wasn't able to escape my anxiety even to this day. Um, it kind of built and built, um, until I was in my twenties. Um, I was depressed. I was felt alone, obviously highly anxious, uh, struggling with commitment issues. And to this, to that time, I still hadn't told a single person about my story. Um, I started seeing a clinical psychologist when I was um, around 20, um, but I never really opened up. I just said that, oh, I was unhappy and I don't know why. Oh, I'm depressed and I don't know why. But you and still didn't explain that even though you knew what was going on. Um, was that like a, like an embarrassment thing? or For sure. For sure it was. Yeah. Even to this day, um, you're only the third person I've ever told this story to ever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So even, yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. um, so of course I didn't tell the psychologist anything. I got nothing back in return. Mm -hmm. So after maybe a half dozen sessions, um, I basically gave up on that. Yeah. Uh, um, I then uh, went to talk to my, um, my main doctor, tried SSRIs, thought it was maybe a depression issue. Cause I still, at this time, I didn't actually realize that it was anxiety. Right. I just thought that my body was broken and I was right. depressed. I was not able to do the lack of education to link the two to know that I just had a traumatic experience and anxiety. So I literally just lived my life thinking that I was physically broken and depressed because of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I tried SSRIs, um, tried one for six months, had no real um, positive um change from it tried another actually had a severely bad um reaction to it i i lived the warning label of uh ad adverse reactions could cause suicidal thoughts and yeah. for 24 hours i it was the worst 24 hours of my life yeah somehow i i was at work that day and nobody knew um apparently i had been I had learned to hide my anxiety very well over the years. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that turned into quite a day. Um, this basically, I, I went off SSRIs after that, continued on just thinking that I was broken and depressed um, until about 2016. Um, at this point, my career was taking off. I would just moved um, and I was flying to Russia for work. Um, while trying to buy a house and deal with some other personal issues. And the minute I got onto the plane, I went into the most severe anxiety ever. It was to the point where every hour I would get up to go to the washroom on the plane, wouldn't be able to go because I didn't have to, right. walk back to my seat and instantly the sensations back. It was mm -hmm. the worst 12 hours of my life on the flight. For sure. I then worked by myself in Russia for a week, somehow managed to get through it. And then on my flight home, I realized that it was time. I couldn't do it anymore. I'd been hiding and unsuccessfully trying to figure out my life for too long. And I just physically couldn't do it anymore. Uh, when I got back to work that week, 
it got to the point where the sensation was so bad that I couldn't work. Uh, I'd go into work, I'd last 20 minutes. It'd be so intense that I'd basically have to go home sick. Um, it was at this point that I went into the um, Vancouver Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Clinic. Um, it was quite the wait list. Um, those are the best people in the entire world. Yeah. Um, they saved my life. Um, I went in there and uh, I started working with them. Um, they taught was, me things. Was like, that an individual or a group setting you were in? Individual. Yeah. Individual. Yeah. Especially because at this time I had never told my story to anybody. Yeah. Um, so a group setting would definitely not have gone well because I would have gone back to my hiding approach. Mm -hmm. um, but for the first time in my life, I told my entire story to somebody. And what do you know? They told me it was a normal thing and it was anxiety and it could be dealt with. Yeah. Um, so over eight to 10 sessions with them, um, the educational side of what anxiety is, how it feels, how your body reacts with it, what my triggers are, mm -hmm. um, different ways of changing your perception about anxiety, and most importantly, um, learning that I can't avoid my triggers was one of the biggest things. Yeah. Uh, one thing the, the psychologist actually had me do was like tra public transit was a killer for me. Yeah. She had me ride the SkyTrain from my house to downtown and back like every day yeah. and force myself into these situations. So sort of a, an exposure therapy kind of thing. That's exactly what it was, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that really, I always use a, a scale out of one to 10 on my anxiety. When I went in to see her, I was a 10 out of 10. I was a mess. I couldn't work. I was pretty much all the time, I guess. All the time. Yeah. When I was at home by myself, it was okay. But any time in a public setting, it's pure misery. Um, so after seeing her for yeah ten sessions, I managed to get my anxiety down to I don't know three out of ten, mm. which was life changing for me. Oh yeah, it was for the first time in my life. I'd still only told one person, but I knew that it wasn't my fault. I wasn't broken, and that I just had something I have to deal with in my life. Mm. Um. Um, yeah. So after that, um, I was doing pretty good for many years. Yeah. Um, I was kind of sitting at that three, four to 10 level back to work, functional, having fun with friends. Yeah. I would still go into meetings and in some settings that were socially awkward to leave. And I would have sensations come back, but with these new skills that I learned, um, I was able to get through it and it was manageable. Right. Yeah. Um, this was until uh, 2020, actually. Um, down in Scottsdale with some friends, bachelor party, having drinks, having fun, yeah. not sleeping a lot, probably drinking a little bit too much. Yeah. And um, it all kind of came together. And I ended up having a panic attack um, on the third day. I'd never had one to date. So you had just had generalized anxiety, basically. Yes. And, and then so this was your first panic attack at this point. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it started off as just me being anxious. Um, just didn't really know how to uh, deal with the social situation of the bachelor party, going up for more drinks, et cetera, et cetera. And it just kind of, as you know, the anxiety just ramps up and ramps up. And ramps yeah. Up. Well, I had a full-blown panic attack. Mm -hmm. um, and there I am 
with a dozen of my buddies in Scottsdale on a bachelor party and I'm having a full-blown panic attack at dinner. Um, I was very, very lucky that one of my good friends, his wife has anxiety. He knew exactly what to do, jumped in and it was fun. Um, obviously it was terrible, Yeah, but it was a situation that um, I did get through. Um, but that started a kind of a different side. Um, since then, um, I tried to do my MBA. Mm. Um, I ended up getting into a different side of anxiety. So I'd kind of got my um, bathroom-related anxiety, I'll call it, um, to a two or three out of 10. But then I started to learn that maybe that was just a trigger and I've had anxiety all along just situational anxiety. With the MBA, I was really stressed about work and the workload of school, and I started to have sleep anxiety. Um, of course, when you're anxious, you can't sleep, and when you can't sleep, it makes you more anxious. Yeah, it's just a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. So I ended up in this big vicious cycle for maybe a month, sleeping a few hours a night while working, while trying to prep for my MBA. Were you having panic attacks at that point or was your anxiety just elevated at that point? Um, just elevated. No panic attacks at that time. Um, but my anxiety, I'll say, was back up to a 7 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. um, mostly just with sleep and stress and workload. Mm -hmm. um, so since then, um, I did manage to get that under control. Unfortunately, it was just me learning that taking control of my life is the biggest solution. And that yeah. meant just realizing that working full-time and doing an MBA is not a smart idea for me. Um, so I did have to withdraw from school um, to kind of focus on my mental health, which I'm very happy I did. Um, and I was able to, um, with my doctor and some medication, get my sleep under control too. And once I kind of got out of that cycle, um, I was able to kind of rein it back a little bit. Um, and then since then, I've kind of been flowing between a two and a four out of 10 on my anxiety scale, mostly stress related. Um, and sometimes if I haven't slept and I'm tired and I get into a socially enclosed situation, I still do have the sensations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What, when you, when you first, that first episode you, you spoke of, mm -hmm. you did you, that gave you anxiety, but you, you say you didn't really identify it. Like what did your anxiety feel like at that point? Oh, like where so, does it, where did it sit? You know, like, was it in your chest? Was it in your head? Was it in your shoulders or? I, I wish it was yeah. in the water, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it all, that's where anxiety sat with you. Yeah. Like, like today, I, I know anxiety in a more general form where it sits in my chest and my heart rate elevates and it's breathing. And I, I now more understand. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I wasn't really, really able to identify those normal indicators of anxiety. I, I just had a very plain and simple association. Um, social enclosure equals bladder sensation. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else for 15 years. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like, you know, when you, when you finally got the diagnosis, like when you finally had a label to put to it, was that, uh, was that, did that, did that cut the anxiety kind of instantly or did you still have to work at it? Because I, I've talked to people who, you know, they get a diagnosis and they start to feel better right away because all of a sudden they have a, a name to put to it. 
Um, for me, the name wasn't um, what helped. Right. It was the action of taking control and seeking help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The minute I decided to get help was the minute that I felt better. Mm-hmm. And then it slowly got better. But through my life, it's been more the decision to take control of my life and prioritize anxiety over other things more so than um, being told what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, so in the CBT, uh, I've done a lot of CBT work myself. Um, were they working with your thought processes quite a bit? Like, were they working with sort of negative thoughts or, or, um, cyclical thoughts, that kind of stuff? Very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So mostly the cyclical stuff. Cause I would, I would get on this, um, cycle, um, and not really knowing how the cycle worked, of course, um, I would just get stuck in it. So knowing now, I've learned that the anticipation is worse than um, the actual action. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah. I mean, that's another brand of anxiety, right? Which I have anticipatory anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if I'm fearing an event, the, the worst part is leading up to the event. And then when I get to an event, it's gone. Um, okay. So then it was a matter of like reminding myself while I was leading up to whatever event it was that it's going to go away. And that helped quite a bit. For me also. For me also. Yeah. When you, when, so when these, you know, Anxiety, as you know, it has so it creates so many physical symptoms. There's hundreds of, of symptoms that it causes. Um, so, how did that? How do those urges, you know, disappear? Did you? Did, did, was it just all of a sudden you realize they're gone, or, or you know, how how did that work for you? Um. So as an example, like I'll use my plane example. That was mm-hmm. really, really bad. Yeah. The plane lands. I'm still feeling terrible. Um, even when the plane kind of pulls up and everybody stands up, sensation's still there, 100%. Mm-hmm. But by the time I kind of walk off, walking down the bridge, walking into the terminal, it just pretty rapidly just fades away. Interesting. And then by the time I got to where a washroom would have been in the terminal, yeah. it's already gone. Yeah. It was pretty rapid once I was able, either able to remove myself from the situation or had the option to. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you, did they run bad? Did they run tests on you? Like did doctors run tests on you to, you know, with your urinary tract situation? Like did they, that you did all that stuff too? Yep. Funny yeah. enough, I'm perfectly fine. Pardon me? Funny enough, I'm perfectly healthy. Yeah, well, the, no doubt. It's <laughs> it's easy with anxiety to uh, to convince yourself you're not healthy in some way. And especially when it manifests, um, you know, in such a physical way and in such, a, I mean, it, it's really unfortunate for you. That's a that's kind of a perfect storm because it's something, especially when you're young, you know, that we're, we're kind of embarrassed about. We don't really talk about that, you know, and uh, and. And then, you know, that urgency is just in that, that it's a natural function. I mean, it was kind of a perfect storm for you that it, it kind of manifested that way. It really was, especially being young, shy. Um, yeah, it, it, it broke me. Yeah. So 
you know, uh, what other kind of things do you do? You know, I, I mean, for example, I discovered quite recently, I've had a lifetime of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I discovered quite recently that um, anxiety is something that I will always have. And then it's a matter of, you know, li- living, living with it and, you know, kind of trying to level out those highs and lows. Um, I think it's going to be, be doing it to, for the rest of my life. Um, what kind of things do you do? Um, you know, let's say aside from your CBT work, what kind of things do you do to help regulate your mood or you know, what tools do you have? Um, one really good one that worked for me was writing down my story. Right. Um, that really, really helped. Um, and it got me here, which is something that I've always wanted to do is share my story. Um, so one thing that I do help to kind of regulate myself is, um, I've become more open and when I am maybe a little bit emotionally low. Um, I've learned that it's okay just to tell the people around me that that's, that's how I'm feeling. Um, so mm-hmm. communication for me has been huge lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've, I often found that was a turning point for me too. When I, because I mean, you know, for you, in addition to the having to use the bathroom stuff, anxiety is stigmatized and it, it's embarrassing too. So even to open up about that, but I found that opening up about anxiety, um, you know, definitely freed me. And, and it seemed to really give a lot of other people that I've spoken to kind of, uh, you know, an opening or an avenue to talk about their experience with it. I agree, especially because anxiety is very unique. I find it's hard to truly, truly understand it unless you felt it. Um, mm. That's why it's so important that we do share our stories and we do kind of communicate our best so that those who haven't physically felt it themselves um, can really try and understand it. So it is hard. Yeah. And I think like, like you, and then like me, when I first had it, it's, uh, you know, people, people may think they haven't had anxiety, but when you kind of explain it to them, they kind of have this aha moment. They're, they're like, oh, that's what that is. You know, they don't have a name to it, but I think, you know, everybody experiences anxiety to a degree, but then there's quite a few people who don't, you know, they, they, it manifests in a different way than perhaps you and I, and, and then they realize, ah, that they do have anxiety. For sure. So We all suffer in different ways, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, um, like you did today, which uh, I really appreciate you coming on the, you know, advocacy. And I, you know, I always encourage people who, who have a voice to, to, um, to keep using it. It really helps. It helps you and it helps other people and it helps me, you know, even talking to you about it. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with me today. Of course. I'd come back anytime. Well, we'll have you back again, Jeff. Perfect. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.